What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode. It looks like we're coming down to like <clears throat> the final episodes here after this long MLS season. Uh, it's been it's been insane. Like we're in November now, and I think we started doing the pod this year, like around like I want to say January, February. It's been almost like ten months. You know, ten months of just like <laughs> essentially almost every single week, uh, bringing on a pod. But um, but yeah. We'll bring on Justin. Justin, how you doing, brother? Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll come down to the end. If it's starting to feel like the end is getting cold outside, uh, yeah, I see you wearing a sweater inside, so I know it's cold where you're at. Yeah, I got the AC on, blasting in it in my house always. But uh, yeah, no, I I think it's it's a good point you bring up. It's been a long season, a grueling season. I think uh, something that we've never really seen in MLS with the added competitions and just the number of games that that players have played and that spills over into uh, coverage and media as well, and fans, I'm sure, too. It's it's long for everybody, but the playoffs are where everything comes to this uh, culmination. So it's it's you got to build up that excitement before it's over. Yeah, look, it's it's been a it's been a like the it's been an exciting, I would say, playoffs. A lot of surprises. Uh, obviously, I know we talked about like the like the, the format, the first round of the format. But look, if we look at the biggest surprises, obviously SKC and Houston um, making it to the semifinals. Uh, no one would have thought SKC would have made it even to the playoffs. Now they're in the semifinals of the Western Conference. Obviously, you got LAFC in Seattle on the other side uh, of the Western Conference. But uh, I mean, if we look at the Eastern Conference, uh, Cincinnati, uh, obviously, that was giving me that they've had an excellent season. Philadelphia, there, that's going to be a very, very good matchup. Uh, Philadelphia, obviously, you know, they, they made it to the to the final last year, came up short. And then the other side, you know, you, you got Orlando and Columbus. So you got the top four teams on the on the eastern side uh, that, you know, if you would have predicted that kind of makes sense, there's more surprises uh, on the western side. Yeah, well, I think that best of three lends itself to the best teams getting through, which is one of the you know benefits for sure of of that. I think you would get the same effect in a two leg series, right? In in a single elimination, you can have more upsets. Anything can happen in a single game, but over three games, it's generally going to happen that the better team is going to get through. That's what we've seen. Obviously, the lone upset of the entire first round being Sporting Kansas City, and they fully deserve to have that upset out playing St. Louis for 180 minutes. But every single other top seed won their matchup, right? Um, which guarantees, by the way, that the MLS Cup will be hosted by an Eastern Conference team as all of those top four in the Eastern Conference have a better record than Seattle Sounders, the top out of the West at the moment. So, uh, yeah, it would be very interesting. You bring up Philadelphia Union. Should there be an MLS Cup rematch, it would then be in Philadelphia, a little bit reverse fixture there. But Cincinnati is going to be great. We could get a Hell is Real derby in in, uh, the conference finals there. And yeah, just a ton of really, really uh, interesting games. I think that you can look at any of these upcoming matchups and say there's, uh, you know, a few storylines and some interesting tactical pieces to to pick out as well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I guess this is obviously, well, I'm, I'm assuming everybody knows that there's it's an international break uh, with this coming up. Um, so there's no going to be games until LFC doesn't play until the 26th, I want to say, um, which is a Sunday uh, there's going to be matches on the on the 25th, um, depending on um, 
who who you're watching there. So obviously this this is interesting break with going on. Obviously it's going to be good for the team. <laughs> I know LAFC needs a break, right? To rest up. And I guess one of the benefits of it is like you're going to get rested players, uh, the ones that are available to play, right? So everybody that's available should be 100% uh, to play that game. And I think when we look at, especially obviously here, LAFC versus Seattle Sanders, which is going to be played up in Seattle, LAFC has lost to the Sounders every time they've, they've been, they've matched up with them in the playoffs. And now it's kind of a, a let's, and I think both games have been in, in at BMO stadium at the bank of California, um, BMO stadium. Back then it was back in California stadium, but now it's going to go into Seattle. I wonder if that, if any way they could, they could pay back the revenge on that game. I know the the turf is always a tough thing to play when, especially if I see the, the ball tends to go, faster it tends to benefit the Sanders uh when you look at that matchup and you look at what ha- was happening in the his- in the history between these two clubs what are your thoughts yeah I think it's it's very interesting because of course it's only been you know six years um not even the full sixth season yet and there, there's already developed this sort of rivalry between these two teams and I think it's that you know, LAFC are kind of the shiny new toy we've always known that but Seattle are, are the powerhouse that kind of um have stuck within the Western Conference, right? There's always going to be that Galaxy rivalry. It's always the main rivalry and Galaxy as well as Seattle, maybe even for more than them, are that, you know, MLS original. They're they're the long-standing team that can prove themselves, but they haven't been very good in the past few seasons and they haven't won anything since LAFC have been in the league. And Seattle Sounders, meanwhile, became the, you know, the first team to win the CONCACAF Champions League from MLS. So I think that there's kind of that... Uh, battle for top dog in the West. And I think that's kind of where this rivalry kind of brewed itself out of. But as you mentioned, when it comes to playoffs, there have been two games, one at BMO Stadium, one at CenturyLink, in which then CenturyLink, now Lumen Field, in which Seattle Sounders won 3-1 both times, right? And sure, you know, LAFC can go and talk about MLS's back tournament where they won 4-1 in a knockout tournament. But that was in a neutral site in front of no fans. And I think uh, it's a little bit different. but at the same time, you know, LAFC has been relatively good under Steve Sharundalo against Sounders. It hasn't been in playoffs. It's been in the regular season, but they've had four games and they haven't lost. So I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of different talking points that you can look of, a lot of perspectives that you can approach this game from because uh, there, there are benefits for Seattle. There are benefits for LAFC. And the biggest benefit, of course, coming with home field advantage for Seattle, which was a result of those decision day uh, results in which LAFC drew in Vancouver. Seattle won in St. Louis uh, handily, by the way, a very impressive performance heading into playoffs for them. And so, yeah, that that kind of is the difference for me in terms of Seattle getting the edge here because LAFC, as we know, ran all the way to the MLS Cup last season because they were at home the whole time. And that was a huge mm-hmm. help. Going to Seattle has been a very, very difficult thing, not just because of the turf, as you mentioned, but Seattle are just a very, very tough team to play, especially at home. Uh, and it's, yeah, in, in my opinion, as tough as uh, an opponent, as a fixture as you can really get is to go away to Seattle in the playoffs. Yeah, and, the, and that's the biggest thing. That's why uh, standings matter, right, during the right, what you do during the regular season. And LAFC and Seattle were battling. For, for that second spot for the most for majority of the year. And I think most of us, right, that were watching, we knew that that we we at least I expected when you when you're that second or third team in the standings, you're you're gonna have a chance to go to that the, the Western Conference finals for, for the majority. And I think if this obviously this is a difference maker, right? 
between these two clubs. And I think it hasn't mattered yet for, for LAFC when they play the Sanders at home, right? But I think they would rather have this game out. I would rather have this game here so we could go watch it, right? So we could go watch it and enjoy it. But unfortunately, it's going to be up in Seattle. Um, but regardless, whichever club wins, they're going to have um, home field advantage to the next round. Because, you know, you got, what was it, what are they, those, the, the fourth and eighth seed. And, and that that is massive, right? That is massive because of whether you're playing Houston or SKC at home, you know, you want to have that game game at home. So you kind of set yourself up. If you went, like, to me, right, it, it's pretty clear, right? It, between the winner of LAFC and the Sounders, that's the team that will go to the final. I don't think I'm saying I don't think I'm saying anything too shocking or right like anything like that. I know the other teams have a shot. I don't want to completely um, not give them any hope. But look, these these two teams for the last number of years have either been in the finals, have won it, you know. Um, but look, there's still hope for the other clubs. But these two teams are sitting a lot better than the other teams, and you and this could put the winner. This will decide to me the winner of or who will be representing the Western Conference in the finals. Yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting one. I think uh, Houston have the advantage of probably having the easiest, you know, quarterfinal matchup or semifinal conference semifinal, however you want to think about it, uh, matchup against Sporting Kansas City, because obviously they're the lowest seed. But I think that the the break hurts them as well, right? You think of they could have a hangover and things like this from a uh, St. Louis demolishing and all of the energy that they brought into that game and Dembe now being out. All of these things could lead to a hangover. Then, then the two-week break, does that add to the hangover? Does that uh, subtract from the hangover? How does that affect Sporting Kansas City? I think it's it's very interesting. Obviously, it's going to be difficult for every team, though. Uh, two to three weeks between games is just is really difficult uh, in the middle of playoffs. And then you add the internationals, which LAFC, I want to say, has five going on international duty. Um, the the you know star of which being Denny Boonga having to fly all the way to Africa and back, uh, before, you know, a few days before the game. So it's it provides a whole new challenge and you know similar to best of three probably where it's like you just got to figure out how you're going to handle it how you're going to approach it because it's a difficult thing granted you know international breaks are more common but having them during playoffs is is very difficult especially this this length of three weeks for lafc is mind-boggling really yeah i kind of wish they would have done it but they, they, they should have done the schedule what they did last year. The final was in November 5th, right? And then you go on to the... Yeah, last year's know. schedule was all messed up because of the World Cup. Things got moved around. And so, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one because MLS scheduling is always going to be one under scrutiny, right? Whether it comes to you want to uh, align yourself with the transfer market in the rest of the world, whether you want to avoid uh, snow or heat in different parts of the country, uh, how long you want to make the season. It's getting longer, the more games. All of these things are, are becoming major talking points in MLS, and I think rightfully so because there you know, have been talking points across the world for, for years now, and it's kind of spilling into, I think, MLS now. Yeah, and hopefully we'll – I think I, I would love to see it. I think with the majority of people just be in line with the rest of the world, because then it's easier to keep up with everything else, right? You know, you know what's going on in the rest of the world. You know when you could potentially get more players, and you know, it's tricky with MLS. And I, I guess they got the reasonings of what they want to do. It maybe it's easier, like you know, because a lot of a lot of teams play, right? And and these shared stadiums, right? A lot of these MLS teams don't have um, their own venue. But look, I like to see it be aligned. You can call me a traditionalist or whatever, but I would like to one day to be that way. Because then once 
once we could all enjoy the international break and all the players in MLS can enjoy that international break without having to be in, in midseason or whatever is going on right here. But we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully now with big stars like Messi and Suarez and everything going on like that, maybe that helps get that movement over there. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, talking about that, are, are you are you excited? Obviously, like just more of the influx of players that we'll, we will potentially see this offseason, right? We know Miami, it, it, they, they're going to get the players, right, because of Messi. We're, we're, they're probably going to get a lot more players. But I think this is going to be a big offseason just for everybody in the MLS, not just Inter-Miami. Yeah, well, I think obviously the, the main thing is, are we going to get ro rule changes, roster changes? And if so, what are those going to be exactly? But I think regardless, you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, Luis Suarez in Miami, we could talk about that. But already we're seeing rumors of Emil Forsberg, New York Red Bulls, right, from, from Red Bull Leipzig. So it's moves like that to me that are really going to elevate this league. It's a player than Emil Forsberg who immediately would become the best player on New York Red Bulls and brings a European pedigree and an experience to MLS that I think, you know, we don't want to be the retirement league. We're moving past that. But I think at the same time, it's important to have uh, this pedigree and, and the experience that these players bring. And yeah, it's, it's going to get more. It's not just going to be those type of players. It's going to be young players from Europe, young players from South America. Uh, and and hopefully we can start getting those players in their prime in the likes of Denny Bowanga, right, to, to get them right in the middle and perform at their very, very best top of their game, because that is how you really start getting uh, MLS up and up. And the more spending that you are allowing, the more likely that becomes. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, with the with the rules and everything, you know, hopefully we can get rid of them. If not, you know, we can add another fourth or fifth DP this next season. It only makes sense, right? All all of like I said earlier, all of Messi friends wants to wants to come play with them. You gotta bend the rules or you gotta change the rules in order for everybody else to be to take part of it and, and enjoy that. Um I do want to talk about obviously we got the the CONCACAF uh, Nations League quarterfinal here in uh, I think the US plays in 2 days November 16th on Thursday versus Trinidad and Tobago and then they play against the 20th and then Mexico plays uh, Honduras November 17th and then they play on the 21st. Obviously, I believe the winner of the CONCACAF or the top four teams, I forgot how it, how it goes. This goes to the seeding or, or Copa America, right? This, this somehow this deals with Copa, Copa America. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure completely about the seeding. I know that yeah, it goes to quarterfinals. It's it's just Nations League. Uh, same thing. This is the quarters. Then it comes to the semis. You'll have those four teams play it out for for that uh, title. I'm not sure exactly how it works into seeding because everything you know plays a different part in a uh, positioning or or, get, or getting yeah. them, getting them in the combo ball Copa America. I know it has to do with some. I don't re recall exactly what it what it has to do with that but i think uh these next two games i mean i'm assuming we're going to expect to see us and mexico in the final and i believe the final is going to be in dallas texas at the cowboy stadium sometime in the middle of march um i believe the middle of march is when is when the final will take place in, in dallas um by the way that dallas is trying to is trying to get that final now that it looks like sofi stadium and Cronky, the owner of the rams and what arsenal um, it has a little beef with FIFA about the money. <laughs> what else, you know? Yeah, always gonna be something. But uh, yeah, no, I think that final the the final is always destined to be either Dallas or New York. Um, but hopefully they can get the SoFi stuff resolved and we can get a semi final. 
Yeah, I think I think I think they're kind of just each flexing their power because it's 2026. Look, it's well, as of right now, three years, maybe two and a half. Um, but I think each of them is trying to flex their power because it's like, how are you not going to have any games in L.A.? Makes no sense. The second. No, the they'll second have them. They, they would have them in L.A. It just wouldn't be so far. Yeah, but like it, it just makes no sense not to have them at the best venue, like the best stadium, yeah. not just in this country. Maybe, maybe. I haven't been in the world, but that SoFi Stadium is spectacular. Um, and I think if you if you don't have them, like I think obviously the Rose Bowl is iconic. You can have it at the Rose Bowl. You can have it at a Coliseum. Those are only those are the only other two stadiums that are big enough to to host that many people that you want, right? But it's it's not the best. It's the most historic ones. Um, but I, I think like they're gonna have to work something out. I I don't feel like it's set in stone yet. I know a lot of people are like it's L.A. or New York. I mean L.A. I mean New York or Dallas. I feel like there's more going to come because you have to have something at SoFi Stadium. And yeah, I think, a, a semifinal, though. No, I want the final. I want the final. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're not getting it. <laughs> I will see. I think I think these way these things have a way of working them out, especially when you have that big of egos of people. Um, and there's just, just a way. I mean, it, it does come down to the money uh, and what, what each party wants. But look, FIFA is the biggest – if not the biggest corporation in sports, right? Or whatever, whatever yeah. you want to call them. And there's so much money. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nonprofit that <laughs> profits so much. Yeah. Unbelievably so. Um, and not in legal ways, but that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. No, look, uh, predictions here from Geo. You heard it here first, man. If LA gets yeah, it, I, well, uh, I, I just feel like it's, it's going to come back some way, somehow. It's going to come back. It just, it just has to. But but with that said, let, let, let's talk about uh, let's switch things over and let's go back to obviously LA LAFC and, and the Sounders and let's talk about specifically obviously certain players who have you really liked now that obviously we've seen we've seen enough of Mario Gonzalez. I don't know if, if his play has changed uh, any of your thoughts. I know a lot of fans are still not happy with him and his performance. Um, I just don't think. Now seeing them in the opportunities he had, I said I said what a couple months ago. I, what was it when they lost against Monterrey when he got his first game? Sorry, I want to say that was towards the end of July. Now we're in November. If he hasn't been able to produce now, like he may be not that guy. He he'll be able to get you some goals, but it just may not be the right fit for him in LAFC. I don't think he's a bad player. I just don't think right now it's the right fit. And if you can't produce after what July, August, September, October. And you've been put you've been put in situation to score goals, and you had this much time as a goal scorer. Like if you're a goal scorer, you're gonna find a way to go to find to score goals, and regardless if you're getting the ball or not. It, it, there's a difference when your team is not good versus a difference when your team is good. LAFC is good, and they can score goals. Danny Boanga can score goals. He can create for himself, and all all these different opportunities. I'm just not seeing the same thing from Mario Gonzalez, and I don't think I don't think he's the number nine guy in the LAFC. Uh, was hoping for. Yeah, I think it's it's a tough one because he's obviously still adapting to the team. Like he's still learning. He hasn't fit in um, to the system completely yet. There are there are pieces and and parts that he understands, but he's still trying to fully grasp that. 
And I think that that's really important, right? We see that there are some players who come in and grasp it really easily, like Timothy Tillman, for example, and some players that it, it takes more time, like Stipe Buke. But eventually they'll they'll get there. Um, it's the production then that that is the big thing, right? Especially when you're a number nine. And it hasn't been there for, for Mario Gonzalez. I think as well it hurts him for how fast Kike Oliveira has uh, adapted as well, right? He's slotted in very easily, understood the system and fit seamlessly really and that makes it so that you know mario is not a starter and if you're not a starter uh it makes things a little bit more difficult adapting coming off the bench these type of things that's not excuses for him he needs to be able to uh find ways of approaching that and overcoming those hurdles but it hasn't happened yet you you hope that it can turn around that he can find um that scoring form because as a number nine you know that you know maybe he sees a couple go in and and a bunch follow right that's kind of the hope but i think as you say there hasn't been enough uh on the field yet to show us or convince us that that's going to happen um because he just doesn't seem like he's fitting right now the biggest thing he's doing is you know holding up the ball trying to drop underneath and he needs to be getting in the box when he does that it's it's not you know massive and we we say that but at the same time, he did win the game for LAFC in Vancouver, right? He did draw that penalty, um, which got them the 1-0 win. So it's not like he's irrelevant or not playing a part. Um, but at the same time, he had, I want to say, 10 touches in that first half uh, before he was taken off at halftime. He was extremely uninvolved other than that penalty. And so it's one of those where it's like, yes, all you need as a striker is one moment. But at the same time you know, if you're not involved at all and you're getting a generous penalty and that's your only contribution, well, maybe that is a, a worrisome point. Yeah, look, you can't be getting off at halftime. You got to be able to fight for those minutes. And I think as a number nine, your only job besides holding the ball is to score the goals. And if you can't score the goals, hey, look, it's a tough job. It's a tough job to score goals. But if that's your only job and you're not doing that, then you just may be not the guy, especially at, at 27 years old. He's six feet. He has a size, right? And granted, this this the top three formation. Top three formation is all pretty much all wingers, right? And then it's different when you have a number nine that is just going to stay there in the in, in the middle, and maybe like there's maybe some confusion. He's feeling a little bit lost, but it's been three or four months for him to at least understand what's going on, the movements, and all this. Or create opportunities for yourself. Obviously, you created the penalty, but like there's needs to be more from your number nine. There needs to be more like his presence needs to be felt. And I don't think his presence has been felt like, like you know, I don't want to compare him to like a uh, cheat or anything like that. It wouldn't be fair, but like you have to have your presence felt. You have to be able to like, yeah, the impact on the game, like, ah, this is what he's doing. Maybe not scoring goals, but he's getting these opportunities. And they're just not there for him, unfortunately. And I think it's tough because LAFC had a number nine. <laughs> they went back, you know. It's like it's like a rotating thing with with the, with the with the number nines at LAFC. Well, yeah, I think, and I understand. I have the same hesitancy comparing to Chicho, but it's like the one thing I do point out is that well, there's a how do I explain this? I think there is a tendency to say maybe. You know, a number nine doesn't work in the LAC system, in the Sherundolo system. It's not meant for a pure number nine. As you say, they're very fluid uh, wingers playing in these positions, moving around and things like this. But then you look at Chicho and you say, well, he worked pretty well in the system, yeah. didn't he? 
right? So it's not that a number nine can't work. Um, maybe it's it's it has to adjust the system. It plays a little bit differently, but it absolutely can. And I think that's what what Chicho tells you. It's not that Mario has to go and score what Chicho did, but he he has to you know as you say has has a, his presence felt. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, with that said, man, I uh, hope you enjoyed the the break. I think we'll take a week off for the for next week for pod. Any 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 special plans for Thanksgiving? Anything like that for, for this next week? Uh, I think that my parents are going to come down. We're going to have a nice family uh, Thanksgiving at my in-laws. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the plan. Oh, nice! You, you, I didn't know you had in-laws. You, you getting married? My sister. My sister's married. <laughs> my sister's married. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you my you my gotta, brother-in-law. You, you, uh, you got to be a little bit more, more 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 specific. I was like, "Dang, Justin, I know you, you got married all of a sudden." Sorry, I. Uh, what am I supposed to call them? My, they're they're my. Are your brother in law? Yeah, your brother in law. My brother in law. Well, when you say when you, they, when you they, say my in laws, no? yeah, but like, come on, you got to give a, l- a little a little backstory. You were like, in-laws. "I'm sorry, like, oh. I'm sorry." My sister is married. There you go. Love <laughs> teasing. Well, with that said, guys, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. We'll be back after um, after the holidays just to wrap things up. Hopefully, LAFC, you know, obviously is able to move on um, all the way. We'll see all the way, man, because it's we still got a long ways if they do go all the way because of what's it, December 9th or whatever the, the final would be. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like about a month away from here. But with that said, Justin, I appreciate it, brother. I hope you have a good one. Thanks for everyone listening. Bye, everybody.